Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of the Right Sides Only podcast, and I am proud to announce we have our first special guest today. Joining me by the power of the internet is Loris Hesmans. Loris, how are you doing today? I mean, I'm doing great. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be on this podcast, and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, having some good conversations. Well, you said it's a pleasure to be on this podcast, so clearly you've never listened to this podcast. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're pretty rough. But uh, we're so so thankful for you and uh, talk with me for a little bit. I want to talk about what you've been doing. You're you're a busy man. You're a quite busy man with your NASCAR Euro, and now you're running you're running Cup. So I want to start with your NASCAR Euro career. Two time champion. Let's see, 2019 and what 2021. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is a piece of NASCAR Euro that you wish you could? you could bring to the States. Like if you think what about NASCAR Euro is so cool that you're like, man, I wish they, we could do that over here in America. I, I honestly, I think, I think I was thinking about this, this a little bit yesterday. And for me, um, a part of what I like about the NASCAR Euro cars, they're, they're quite light. I think weight wise yeah. will be around like, I would say 2,800 pounds. So the car is really light. Obviously it doesn't have that much power, but for me, the ideal combination would be to have a light car like the Euro NASCAR. So it's quite agile. And so when it slides, like, you know, you can really slide around with it, but it kind of comes back to you. But then have the power, basically, of the cup car. I think that would be really very cool to see because I think people have the tendency to think that these heavy cars, yes, they tend to slide more, which is in one way true. But the thing is, like, when you get, as I think people have seen with these next-gen cars, when you get to a certain point where it starts to slide like too far. So when you're really trying to push on and trying to just enter corner faster, it's like it's all or nothing. So the car just like goes kind of in one go. So I think the big thing is that it's due, due to the weight. It's basically once you reach a certain angle with these uh, with the current cup car, with all the weight behind it, um, it just goes kind of. So I think in a way, a, a lighter car would actually be actually more. Ent- I, I almost feel like more entertaining to watch for people. I think a lot of people might disagree with that, but I think if they actually look at the like the Euronascar races, like we do slide quite a bit, and it's uh, yeah, it's pretty entertaining to watch. So, um, so I think that would be one of the the things. Oh yeah, NASCAR Euro is one of the most entertaining series I watch. I uh, always make sure to watch the replays when they get put up on YouTube, and it's it's great racing. And I'm a big road course guy uh, on the podcast. I'm kind of the road course guy. So anytime I can watch road course racing, I'm all up for it. So I wanted to ask you, and this can be someone you've raced against or not. Who ins- is there anybody that inspired you to be a race car driver or any big influences in your life that pushed you to being a race car driver? Yeah, I think, I think for sure. Uh, it, it's quite easy on my side. Um, so my dad was, was for about 15 years, I would say, or almost 20 years. He was a, professional racing car driver so Tuan Hazemans um, he raced mostly in GT cars as well as uh, prototypes like WEC uh, like so he he won the 24-hour of Le Mans in his class uh, he won the Targa Florio in 71 then he won a lot of uh, European touring car championships with uh, with BMW winning Spa 24 hours winning Daytona 24 hours for Porsche so he was always as a factory driver. Um, obviously, I didn't get to experience that that uh, all that racing at that time because uh, that was obviously way before my time. And uh, so when I was born in 97, uh, my brother, my older, uh, well, half-brother technically, 
about uh, basically my brother. He was racing in the GT1 uh, class. And uh, basically, yeah, I think I was uh, a few weeks old and I was already at the track. And I've been growing up on the track basically ever since. So I think ever since then, I was just so passionate about racing cars. And then coming from a racing family, it was uh, kind of bound to happen, basically. Yeah, that's that's super cool. It's, it's so cool to hear... Everyone I've talked to that I ask, like, why did you start or why did you want to become a race car driver? Everyone has a different answer. You know, right, everybody right. says something different, which is which is so cool of how people come about it so many different ways. It's uh, awesome. Another another question about NASCAR Euro. I have a couple about NASCAR Euro. Is is there anybody you can think of in NASCAR Euro racing that used to race or races now that you think would be someone that has to go cup racing? Is there anybody that stands out to you of like, oh yeah, that person should be over in the States running cup races? Oh yeah. I think for me, for me, that's quite an easy one. And I think that's definitely uh, Alonde, uh, or Alan as I call him. Uh, he is, uh, he's, we are, we're all good friends as well, especially nowadays because we don't race with each other. But even when we were racing, we basically had a lot of respect for each other. Um, yeah. I think he's an incredibly talented driver and definitely a driver that deserves a an opportunity to go cup racing. Um, I think it was, I don't remember when, I believe 2016, he was racing the Xfinity series with uh, with a Dodge. So basically the Dodge program had kind of been, uh, well, I guess stopped already a few years ago. So, you know, in yeah. a way the, the technology and everything was quite outdated. And then in the rain, he was basically up to P2, you know, in this uh, race until uh, I think he got uh, pushed out or something happened like that. But, um, you know, it just, it just shows like, um that he's a very talented driver so uh, for me also that was also something i knew when i was able to beat let's say in races or or in some years i was able to beat it all day well you know i knew i was really uh giving it all that i had basically so uh, yeah i think definitely him yeah he's got 30 wins i believe yeah yeah uh, I, I don't i don't even know how much it is i know he has been doing euro nascar for a while i know he did uh i think a few races of cup but, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it is what it is, especially when you, you get to uh, Cup Series. In the Euronascar, you, you have these very much spec cars where you can do very little on in a way. So you can't make as big of a differences. But, you know, when he was racing in the Cup, um, yeah, the, the thing was he was in a, in a team which was struggling a little bit more. So obviously, you know that the result is not going to be what, what you yeah. want it to be, basically. Yeah, I, I was looking through some of you know the NASCAR Euro history, and and his name came up, and uh, of course, I mean the guy sitting right underneath him for a couple wins down, you know you, you know some of these other guys. I'm like, man, I would love to see you know some of these guys getting quality equipment, taking a taking a shot at a at a stock car in a the the Cup Series. But uh, what is the culture like in NASCAR Euro? I've noticed there's a lot of events that's like American fests and things i'm not exactly sure what that there's like american speed fest or some other things what exactly is that in the culture of nascar europe i i think what they're trying to very much do is try to bring basically like if you go to an event like well whatever nascar event it may be i give an example like daytona 500 where people are walking around there's a lot of things happening around the track or, or inside of the track basically um fans are allowed to basically walk through the pa uh, through the paddock through the garages things like that i think um nascar is really trying to promote kind of that style of racing and that style of entertainment also for the fans because 
before this time, obviously I was racing in GT racing, uh, world tour and car championships, things like this. And it's, it's a very closed off mentality. So it's kind of like, you're not allowed to, as a fan, really to go inside the garage or you're allowed to kind of like look briefly inside, but then you kind of have to go and all those type of things. So I think what they are trying to do is build an atmosphere where people go to the track and they, they are not just watching a race. They are basically living kind of side by side with the driver and uh, really experiencing everything that also goes into preparing the cars, uh, everything that goes around the track. And then also kind of having events and other things, entertainment things that are happening whilst the race is not happening. Yeah, that that just struck me as super cool, of you know seeing like trying to emulate American things, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I've I did notice that after COVID, attendance is is going back up for the NASCAR Euro races for a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely, which is really good because. Uh, I mean, obviously, especially in Europe, like COVID was, I would say, until, um, I would say definitely until mid-2020, uh, sorry, 2021 at least, uh, even a little bit longer, further into it, it was like, it was really tough because it was like up and down, like countries going from, uh, I mean, Holland, I remember even in, in the end of 2021, they just went back into lockdown. Um, and for Belgium, it was kind of the same. It was like up and down. Are we going to go into lockdown? Are we not going to go into lockdown? Uh, events were limited to like you know no more than <laughs> than just the the required people to run the event and all those type of things so it's really good to see now that attendance has really gone back up uh, because it's allowed also and I mean also before COVID um, yeah we were we were running pretty big events you know so for for such a championships we had events like in Brands Hatch where we were basically the biggest event of the year so um, so that's really good to see that's awesome that's awesome. Is there a track that you think if NASCAR wanted to go international and mm-hmm. they had the resources to do it and they were going to go, they said, Hey, we're going to go to Europe. What track do you think, or just have like a, like a NASCAR event? Is there any place that would come to mind? Um, yeah, there, there, there's definitely a few tracks. I mean, I would say, uh, what, well, obviously I, I would like to race, uh, NASCAR at, uh, Zandvoort. Uh, do I think, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's kind of like a home track. Do I think that's the best track, especially? Not especially because, well, it's a, it's a good track, but uh, maybe for overtaking, it's a little bit difficult. Although with a, with a NASCAR, it should be okay because it's quite a tricky track. So people easily make mistakes. Um, Spa is a really fun track. So, so Spa Francochal. Um, we'll talk why about that, that one later. Be, yeah. <laughs> why that would also be good, I think, is for like drafting because uh, like you oh, have yeah. quite long more or less straights or let's say really quick corners, but that are like flat out. So you will have like a good yeah. bunch of drafting as well. Um, I can just imagine then, like 40 cup cars going through Eau Rouge into Radion and just sending it. Yes, exactly. And just going sideways and <laughs> That'd be it, awesome. it, it will be, I think there are definitely uh, Europe definitely has a, a good bunch of tracks. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely some of those tracks. I, I never really thought about it, but I think definitely those are some good tracks to to be running. It's it's just a thought I have of I would love to see NASCAR, you know, go to Europe and uh, you know, see see how that goes and I think that it, it could work. I don't know. It depends on how much effort they put in. So I mean, what we, would we be cool it's like Monaco, but then I think Monaco, yeah. you know, it's it's more it's I think the idea of it is cool, but I don't know if it's I don't think it would be that good for racing actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. That is very true. So you mentioned spa, and me and you talked about this the other day, that you are doing driver coaching. So as someone that could really use some driver coaching, uh, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about, about uh, your in- endeavors in that? Yeah, so I started driver coaching when I was about 19 years old. Um, obviously, you picked up quite slow, and then nowadays, uh, I think, or last year, besides the racing, uh, I was doing about 140, 150 days of driver coaching, plus however many days I was on the road for racing, so also 120 plus or whatever, or, or even more. So um, so it added up. It added up quite well, and uh, people would be like uh, asking me, like because they sometimes they don't know that. They just think I'm racing a few weekends a year and that's all I'm doing and I'm like and they're like but why are you tired I'm like well because I've been going like 36 days straight and they're like oh really what have you been doing so it's uh it's quite funny to to kind of see that but um I think um this whole driver coaching for me at least the big thing that it did is obviously build up a good network of people to know uh within the the racing industry but also aside from that um I think my car control became a lot better because of it um so having to jump from car to car from a gt car with let's say 700 horsepower with with all these electrical systems on it to jumping in a front wheel drive touring car uh with let's say 350 horsepower uh to jumping back in a road car to and then every time it's you have this very short amount of time where the client says like oh here's like two laps on all tires and do a really good lap on the track where you for example, haven't driven in a little while. So uh, I think that's also allowed me to adapt quickly to tracks um, as well as to different types of cars. That's super cool. I know that, you know, the the skills that will teach you is is probably translating pretty well to uh, to uh, the Cup Series. And, and as somebody that has never driven a Cup car, how would you describe driving a cup car i know it's very different from the nascar euro car because it's you know it's big and heavy but like what is what does that feel like is it does it just feel overwhelming or just feel like you're driving a boat or how does that how does that drive no i i don't think it feels overwhelming i think i mean i i definitely like uh, again i was saying it was quite heavy yes but i i mean i definitely enjoy driving the cup car um i think it's overall, especially with this next-gen car, and I think that's kind of what everybody has been saying. It, it is a tough car to drive, definitely, because on the limit, it's, I think it's a bit less forgiving because you're driving now on these 18-inch tires. Um, so they kind of have like a kind of a grip, 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 and then this margin of kind of where it's kind of you're able to slide it and control it is quite thin. Um, it just, yeah, you do realize the weight, and you do realize that you need to be very smooth with your inputs, basically. You need to also start thinking in the race about moments when, like, if you're braking even just a, a tad too late, like, you really need to be careful not to be locking up, not to be just completely overshooting the corner. So it's not one of those cars where every lap you're just, like, going, uh, you're going in a way 100%, but you're not attacking as if you're attacking every lap like it's qualifying, um, especially in the race. You need to, like kind of back up and think, okay, how am I going to compromise a little bit more here? Think about my tires. Also think about longer in the run, how those tires are going to be. So, yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing is you you definitely have to be aware of the weight and you have to respect the weight. So it means like you can't just like in one go turn in like you would in, an Formula, uh, in a Formula 1 car or even a Euronast or whatever it may be. Um, you really got to give the car time to basically settle, let the suspension travel, 
and and let itself uh, basically like set itself. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about your race at Indianapolis? I I was watching that race. You were doing absolutely fantastic. I think you were up like seventeen spots from thirty seventh to twentieth. Um, I think there was some there was some issues after that. But uh, yeah, how was your talk? To us a little bit about that race. I mean, Indy felt great. Uh, definitely, like in qualifying, I know, like I I messed up myself. So basically, starting the very first lap, I, I made the biggest flat spot you could ever imagine. Like when I came in and they actually checked the tire, they were surprised I was even able to do a lap so that was on me that i also straight away admitted uh so qualifying okay i knew that it wasn't great but then in practice what i did see is that the car stayed really quite consistent on the tires um the drop-off wasn't too bad so maybe we didn't have this ultimate speed on one lap but the car kept on going and uh wasn't basically burning through its rear rear tires which is i think the biggest thing on this next gen car um yeah, we had a good uh, had a good start, had a good fir- first few laps, was able to do quite a bit of overtaking right from the beginning. And then um, already, I think, like lap eight, it started where I told the, the, the guys, basically the team, I was like, listen, like, I feel that the basically the, the, the sequential shifter, they're starting to be more and more play in it. So the lever was basically like, you could always feel it like slightly starting to move more and more. Um, what this eventually ended up being is the same problem that we had in Coda, um, which was that the, basically the bolts uh, in Coda, the bolts of the, the, the rear subframe broke. Um, here it was actually that they were starting to get loose. Thankfully, we managed to now find the problem. Uh, but yeah, so basically what was happening is eventually you couldn't, it was becoming more difficult and more difficult to basically shift uh, down and sometimes shift up. Uh, because the gearbox wasn't sometimes going into gear. Um, yeah, we, we basically made it all the way up until uh, P20. I think at some point even we're a little bit even even uh, uh, even a little bit uh, lower. And um, I mean, it was quite funny because I remember seeing uh, Danny Hamlin in my rearview mirror and thinking on the straight like, okay, well, by like two corners further, he'll just pass me. And then it actually took until stage end that he managed to pass me, but it was basically he passed me due to the pit stops. So, um, so that was really like, that was quite a, quite a relief and quite a good feeling that, uh, we were able to keep some fast cars behind us. Then when stage two basically or stage one rather, uh, started, we were, uh, fighting not only this gearbox issue, but also a fuel pressure issue again. So, uh, that was a real bummer because I think definitely. I honestly think we could definitely have done a top 20, the very least, and maybe even uh, better, maybe even a top 15, because uh, the, the speed, especially when the car was running without any problems yet, was definitely there. So uh, I think our my fastest lap during the first stage when I was driving was about a second off from the fastest car, so which was really good for us. Yeah, that was that was great. And, you know, with me and you have been, you know, we've been talking, so I've been trying to follow along the best I can. And on TV, if you're not one of the top couple guys, they just don't, they just don't put the camera on them, and it, it kind of makes me kind of sad. But I could see you kind of going up the ticker, and then you know it's one of those things where, you know, even for some of the other guys, you know, if something happens, they don't tell you what happens, and they're just they're just not there anymore. So it was, it was yeah, kind of yeah, hard yeah. to follow. So exactly, but yeah, it was that, great that, to get your insight. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I've noticed too. Like as you mentioned, if you're not like top 10 basically it's like there there isn't so much uh yeah TV for you <laughs> but 
Yeah. And that, that's the thing is now with like, you know, me and you talking through all, through all this stuff, like I was, I was rooting for you to, you know, it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't see where you were. So, or know yeah, what was yeah. going on. So that was kind of, that was kind of frustrating. I was, I was following you and Kvyat. Um, but let's go ahead and talking about you and Kvyat, both of you guys are running at Watkins Glen this weekend. Um, you know, know, it's it's the, exciting. It, it is the like most legendary NASCAR road course. Um, it's a bit of a faster road course. So, you know, going into something like this, how do you, because I assume you have a slightly different preparation, preparation routine than a lot of these other guys do. So like, how do you get prepared for a weekend? Like, you know, going to Watkins Glen? I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is like preparation wise. Um, obviously you try to do like some simulator work. Uh, in my case, it's, it's doing simulator work is just doing iRacing because uh, sadly, I don't have any access to the to the to let's say the factory um, uh, supported uh, simulators. But it's it's more to get in the, in the end. It's more to get an idea of the track. Basically, Watkins Glen will be a, a new one for me. But um, I feel like that's definitely one of those tracks which suits me usually because I I like fast corners and and Watkins Glen is fast. So uh, I really like tracks with like high speed, fast corners where the car is moving around and it's very sketchy. So um, I think I think Watkins Glen should be good. Um, I mean, further, how do I prepare? Uh, the big thing with 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 these cars is uh, it's a long race, obviously. So it's really hydration. Um, obviously, I'm I'm always training um, like at least five times a week, but uh, it's also big on hydration. I've especially learned that actually in the last two years. So I tried to really, uh, basically from beginning of this week, try to hydrate myself as much as possible. Also get my electrolytes and everything up basically to be uh, best prepared for during the race. So this weekend we are, you're, you're going to be a part of history, which is, which is pretty cool with the most nationalities ever running at a NASCAR, NASCAR race. So of course there's you from, you know, the Netherlands has in the last little bit, the Netherlands in motorsports has done a lot of winning coincidentally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They, they definitely haven't done too bad lately. <laughs> No, that's very not, not true. Not at all. Uh, we we do Formula One World Championship. <laughs> yes, exactly. Formula One World Championship. We're doing good in uh, in Indy Championships. Uh, we have obviously uh, Renus VK, who is driving an IndyCar and doing very well. So uh, I mean, honestly, it's it's exciting to see that, like, as a such a small country, um, we 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 tend to do really well in in sports. So I mean, we are only I think it's sixteen or seventeen million people. So uh, we're quite small, but uh, we tend to do quite well in sports. So. So it's it's really nice to see that. Yeah, the the Netherlands uh, men's football team or soccer, depending on where you live, is always yeah. is always a big threat. I have a lot of uh, a lot of my favorite players are from the Netherlands. Um, Genie Wanel, okay. uh, Frankie De Jong, yeah. a lot of a lot of guys I really like are from the Netherlands. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Anyway, uh, so we have Hesmans, Netherlands, Raikkonen in Finland, Suarez Mexico, Kvyat Russia, and Tilly from the United Kingdom. So. A lot of yeah. different nationalities will be represented, and that's pretty cool to see. Is you know people that just aren't. It's not only Americans running, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, like for me as well, it is. Uh, I think it's good to see as well uh, from my side, at least, like that. You know, you're an astro. When I initially came, it was kind of the the whole uh, idea behind this. Well, we want eventually for our drivers not to stay in the Euro NASCAR, but eventually we want them to go and be able to kind of make a bridge to the uh, to the US 
And uh, I think it's exciting to see, you know, that we have been able to do that not only with me, but also with some other drivers, uh, also in some different series. So there's definitely, a, a, I would say, a big growing interest from, from my side, at least what I see from Europe, uh, for more and more drivers becoming more interested in running uh, in, in, the, in the U.S. and more specifically in, the, in NASCAR. Um, as you see, you know, Mike Rockenfeller, like who would have thought that? So he is a DTM championship uh, champion. Uh, you know, a, a very famous German championship, but basically on European level. And, uh, you know, now he's going to be running here in uh, in uh, in uh, in Watkins Glen. So um, then other drivers. Yeah, obviously. Well, Kimmy, you know, <laughs> Kimmy, there's no uh, yeah. there's no need, no need for an introduction, basically. But, you know, it's uh, it says something when also uh, a firm ex Formula one world champion is uh, kind of willing to go out of, well, retirement, basically. To race, you know, in in uh, in uh, in NASCAR, for example, when uh, maybe a lot of uh, maybe a lot of people who are more like Formula One oriented would think, oh well, maybe he would go to IndyCar. But um, I think there's like this attraction to when you have been racing with cars with so much downforce. Um, okay, fair enough, power too. But you know, this certain type of racing, you want to try the the other extreme, which is having a lot of power still, having relatively much less grip, uh, much less downforce. And uh, and have the car really, you know, sliding around and kind of having to, you know, like correct your correct and basically be able to counter steer and control the car. So uh, I think that's quite exciting for for these guys as well. Yeah, it's always so interesting to see, especially on you know on on Twitter and Instagram when when someone makes the jump from open wheel and they'll and they'll you know give a give a race in NASCAR or whatever. It's so crazy to see all the NASCAR fans and the Formula One fans fighting about yeah. how bad the other's sport is, you know? And it's, it's know. to be someone kind of in the middle of like, I love NASCAR and Formula One and IndyCar and Euro NASCAR. And it's like, well, everything everything is good for different reasons, you know? Yeah. There's, there's not, you know, I like, I've always kind of, my easy thing, I've told my friends that are, that are learning about it is in in open wheel road racing you're really racing the track you know you're basically just setting time lapse all the time and then in stock car racing you know you're racing each other you know you're racing you know, right to, to really stay alive that, in that so yeah that's that so. and that that's really that's really what it is and i i think you know i think it, in the end it's it's what you see like on social media also sometimes i also told myself in the end a lot of times these people, there's also people that are just going into that conversation just to basically start an argument. So oh, I always think like, you know, I think in general, I think people are quite excited about it because, you know, why, why would you not be? I think it's exciting that, that there's a growing interest basically worldwide. Uh, I think it's a good thing, you know, like I think it means that, yeah. you know, people are, are, are interested in, in NASCAR more and more and, and want to see this type of racing and, uh, I remember listening to uh, uh, from the one uh, podcast. It's called Beyond the Grid, and um, uh, it was about Juan Pablo Montoya, and uh, it was funny as well because um, he was uh, he was giving this uh, basically well this this, uh, this talking during this podcast, and uh, they were mentioning to him, but why did you you know leave from the one so soon and then race NASCAR and wasn't there this kind of like feeling of uh, of um, how would you say that. I think it was they were saying like wasn't there a feeling of regret and he was like no he was like absolutely not he was like he thought it was the most badass thing to race at like 200 miles an hour around Talladega or race on a road course in the NASCAR so it was quite nice to hear that he was defending also you know NASCAR and saying like you know 
in one way, you know, Formula One is also not the whole world. He liked his time there, but he thought also NASCAR was was very very cool time that he had. So it was nice to hear that. Basically, it was something that I remember yeah. well from the podcast. Yeah, a, a big moment that sticks out to me, and I think I think you would probably agree with this, is um, it was a, I think it was one of the ESPN conversations, but they had Max Verstappen on as a guest, and uh, they asked, you know, they said, well, hey, NASCAR is like the thing in America. How long would it take? You know, would it only take a couple weeks for, you know, Max and Sergio Perez to start running one, two in NASCAR? And uh, because they would just be so dominant. That's what they thought. And uh, Max was like, well, no, it's a whole different mindset. And, you know, the whole the whole mental side of racing is completely different. Must It's less the, you know, physical of being able to drive the car and more of, um, you know, actually, you know, thinking about what to do. And it's all mental. So. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's a, the big thing, especially when I think you get into the, let's say, the ovals. You know, it's a it's a completely different world. It's like, you know, everything that kind of a lot of times you have been used to doing on the road course, you kind of have to completely readjust and start from almost a blank page and, and you know, really like think it through. And, and, and when people tell you you have to do it this way, you just kind of go with it at uh, an insane amount of speed and you just see that it works. And uh, yeah, I think uh, like I have, I've grown to really love the ovals, but I have a huge amount of respect for them, a huge amount of respect for the drivers that are racing on these ovals and, you know, side by side, sometimes three, even four wide. And, um, you know, I, I think that's 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 a very good point, as you mentioned, that somebody like Max Verstappen, who is the F1 world champion, you know, doesn't think like, oh, yeah, I'll just arrive and be dominant because, you know, as much as he's he's insanely talented, um, it will also be a big learning curve for him. You know, there's absolutely no doubt about him. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, I thought that was that, that was quite interesting to me. So couple couple last points and then we'll let you go um i wanted to ask we talked about it liam is one i've been watching liam you know he's starting to get in and doing some nascar euro now and i mean he he drives a lot like you he is super super talented and uh just talk to us a little bit about like getting liam into it how did that how did, how's that all going yeah, so basically, uh, Liam, well, initially Liam uh, was karting. Uh, so Liam was doing karting on European level and world championships. Um, 2017 is the first year that we started uh, for a big amount of time when I wasn't, I was still starting up with the coaching. So I was also like Liam's mechanic for quite a long time. So, so I really had some great experiences with him doing the world championship with him, with my dad always there because I always say our dad, we we like me and Liam we and my older brother we uh we tend to handle pressure like really well so people like in the team will go, come to us and be like how are you so calm before a race and this and that it's because if you're used to the pressure that our dad puts on us then any other pressure is like nothing so <laughs> we uh and we are very thankful to him for that in moments it's something it, it will clash quite big but uh you know he really I think in that sense he really prepared us for um uh, for, for basically, yeah, being able to face uh, all these difficulties that you do face in racing. But, uh, yeah, coming back, so basically with Liam, so we did karting uh, until last year, and he was doing extremely well. And then my dad calls me, and he's like, yeah, we're going to put Liam in the Euronasker next year. And I'm like, well, do you maybe not want to, like, you know, start him, like, in MX-5 or something like that? And he was like, no. He's like, we're just going to do this. 
he's like, we'll run like the, the urine NASCAR two class. I'm like, okay, well, you know, no arguing there. So, um, and somehow we, we did obviously a few testing days. So we're allowed to go testing with the urine NASCARs. We did a few testing days, but actually didn't have that much mileage before really going racing. And, uh, yeah, he's just been able to adapt super quick to it. So it really shows that he, he has it in him. And, you know, he now uh, already won his first race, which was uh, incredible to see. Uh, has done already a few podiums. So, you know, I, I'm just incredibly proud of him, man. And, and it's hap- I'm very happy to see that he is able to adapt so well to it, basically, to this type of racing. That, that I, I was just watching and it came up and, I, of course, I saw the Hesman's name. And I started watching Liam in his races. And to see someone, you know, that young step into a car and be that good, that quick, I mean, that is terrifying. I yeah. mean, he <laughs> I don't even want to know how dominant he could be if he if he keeps this up. Both of you guys are so incredibly talented. And uh I, I'd love to see both of you guys running in cup someday beside each other. That would be awesome. Oh, that that I think that would be definitely also from my side the dream. I think obviously the important thing with Liam that we have to do is try to really build it up. So um, you know run really get as much basically track experience uh well get as much track experience get as much racing experience in he has a a incredible feeling for it which is really good but you know you don't want to you don't want to basically put him too quickly in one of those heavy cars with uh and and then that he makes for example mistake but you know it's it's again it's his first year in racing i think the important thing will be this year running the euro nascar 2 and he does also partially running the euro nascar uh, pro um, I think for next year, focusing fully on EuroNASCAR Pro and then kind of going from there and seeing, okay, like what is now possible? Which way do we go from there? Uh, do we go further racing another year in EuroNASCAR or do we already try to focus on racing in the States? So uh, it's really exciting to see that basically it just keeps on kind of going in the family, you know? So uh, I think we're, we're all ha- very happy with that. That is awesome. One last question, and then I will let you go. Thank you so much for being willing to come on. Of course. Last question is, I want. I'm starting to ask. This This is going to be our question that we ask everybody. Let's say this is a hypothetical scenario. You get to race in any car at any track against a legend or an icon or a hero. You can pick any car, any track. You got one lap to beat them. What legend you picking? What car? What? Oh, that's that's a good one. I, I gotta think about that one for a second. Um, I think definitely the the car that, well, I felt most comfortable always with, was definitely uh, the Euro NASCAR. I think that's that's a car that I know it like. I remember testing it initially, and I think within five laps I was like one of the quickest on track. So it somehow just managed to click really well that those type of cars straight away. Um, then and then obviously yeah we had some quite quite okay success with it <laughs> and then afterwards i would say track uh what's a track that i really love i mean i really like spa i've always been very fast around spa um and i know it quite well obviously so yeah i, I wouldn't be yeah i would maybe say spa with a euro nascar which would be a lot of fun because it would be like going sideways through Rouge and stuff like that so that yeah, should be, be awesome yeah that would yeah, be exactly. so cool yeah. Plus, I, I think uh, I think the at the very beginning of Euro NASCAR, they they ran when it was still like kind of like the semi amateur series. They ran yeah. in Spa, and you would see like the cars like bottoming out and just sparks flying everywhere. It was very cool to see, basically. Um, That's awesome. And then against who? I don't know. I would want to race against, I guess, the one of the best drivers possible. So 
It's a tough one. I, I would definitely want to race against like a, a a NASCAR driver to you know like basically be able to say okay let's let's you know compare. So I I would say like somebody like a Kyle Larson for example who I think is a well, there's no doubt about it, but you know, it's just incredible yeah. to see how he's able to like adapt so quickly always to to a car. Uh, I think that's and he's racing also. I, I was very fortunate to to be able to talk to him a bit at Kota before the race, and to hear like his his schedule. I thought he was running, you know, all the cup races, but then he actually he's running about three times the amount of races. He's running like you know eighty or ninety races because he's running yeah. endurance. He's running late models, and it's like wow, it's like. Where do you even find the time, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, much time. I think I think you versus Chase Elliott or somebody like that would be, or Tyler Reddick, the winner of Indy. Oh, yeah. I'd that, love that to see you guys oh, in yeah. equal cars going at it. That would be so fun to watch. Yeah, or maybe what would be a, a cool thing also would be like uh, running, for example, okay, running in the same year in NASCAR, so the exact same car, yep. and then running, for example, the same thing, but then in the exact same cup car. You know, so it's like okay, kind of yeah. like what yeah, you're used, more used to and what I'm more used to, let's say. So that'd be that'd be pretty yeah, fun. That to would do be that. super cool. Yeah. That would so be let's make cool. it happen. <laughs> yeah, let's work on it. Let's get that done. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Mr. Hesmond, it has been an absolute honor having you on the podcast. Uh I'd like to thank you so much for giving some of your time and letting me bother you the last couple well months at this point. Love to have you no, on. Love to have you on sometime again. Absolutely. Like honestly, I very much enjoyed it. Very much enjoyed the conversation. So uh honestly, like whenever you want me to jump on again, if I have a moment to spare, absolutely no problem. We can do it uh, gladly do it again. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh Loris is very busy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He is a busy well, man. He is always I, racing. I, he is racing I, something I, all the time. Exactly. I'm I'm busy until I, I, I realize Carl Larson's schedule and then I'm like, maybe I'm not that busy but i'm still busy <laughs> yeah see he's he's living a really rough life when i tried to when i tried to mess him first about this he was racing racing porsches at spa and yeah. then he was racing something <laughs> something else and i was like hey man you have to interview he's like oh i'm with i'm in paris with my family i'm like oh okay i mean like <laughs> i could have used the invite to that i'll come interview you in paris that's fine <laughs> yeah. no but uh we're so thankful for you being willing to give up some of your time to come in and talk to us Absolutely. any last words Thank you'd like to say before we before we end it uh, no, well, just thank you for having me. Uh, I mean, very much enjoyed it. And uh, as I was saying, enjoyed the conversation. So uh, thank you guys. And I uh, hope everybody will uh, will enjoy the, the podcast. Yeah, we'll all be rooting for you on Sunday. So let's go. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Take care. And once again, this has been the Right Size Only Podcast with Loris Hesemans. Tuning in and tuning out. Thank you and have a great day.